Welcome to the All That's Holy Blue Collar Podcast. Thought-provoking interviews with interesting guests and commentary on everything. Food, sports, God, gardening, church, politics, music, movies, comedy, you name it, we talk about it. I'm Cody Stopper. And this is Craig Morton. On this podcast, we talk to writers, teachers, activists, and we seek some wisdom. And as always, we are allergic to big words, but not to big ideas. Profound things will be said, but entirely by accident. You know, how to set things up as a watch party. So we're live right now. If anybody knows how to help Cody set this up as a watch party, <laughs> let him know. I'm going to share it, you know. Oh, Adam is uh, there, he post. says. It, yeah, yes, it is the same link. Oh, like he always oh, oh, in the white room? Okay. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, I'm share. I shared it, but I don't know how to do. I, I know how Hi. to do a watch party from well, my. Maybe Adam knows. Hey, just so you know, Adam, we decided to hit the record button. Oh, good, we're, we're live. This is it. So we're live and we're recording it. So. Oh, fantastic! Awesome. Well, so, it's good to be with uh, you today. Adam, I, I like your shirt. I thought I'd show you the one I'm wearing today. So. I, I there think it is. You ordered a... Two messages that we need to proclaim today. You know, I just thought this whole, the, you know, the gospel is anti thing. You know, there's so many things here. I was thinking you could stick in capital, capitalism, oh. uh, racism, militarism. And I went, then I went communism. Then I went, no, I don't know that one <laughs> completely. No. So, <laughs> Soviet ca style capitalism. Then there I you go. That, yeah. But that's too long. That's too many that, words. Yes. Yes. So. <laughs> I just decided anti-fascist. Let's go with that. I think I, for some reason it seems appropriate for the time. It, yeah, yeah. So it kind so of has that uh, 1930s me, Barman Declaration thing going for it. Oh, you're telling me the gospel is uh, contextual. There you go. That's what I'm hearing. Yes. That, that, this is the message now. There you there go. go. Yeah. I like it. Okay. I got right. it. So should we tell Adam how we do our our uh, the the formal structure of our interviews? Uh, do we, is there a formal structure to our, <laughs> our interviews? No, there really isn't. It's it's a bit of anarchy. I like it. Let's do that. That's right. We're, yeah, Larry, that's what we do. It's anarchy with the discernment moment by moment. Oh, there we go. The that's the best yeah, kind we, of anarchy. Let's do we that. Float. We yeah. float from thing to thing. So today, uh, let's, well, let's, so, let's see. Well, wait, so today, last week though, Cody, you said you wanted to talk about the World Series. Oh, well, I was like, these are things we could talk about. Well, I know, I, but see, there's there's not really nothing else to talk about. All right. I mean, okay, let's see. Let's go through the list. Uh, let's see. Because uh, here's, according to things I'm reading, here's all the things that can be happening today. Are you ready? Uh, the end of the pandemic. Uh, right. scam Scamdemic ends today. Yeah. Uh, whoa, 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 whoa. I, I think that I think it actually ends after today. Oh, after today. Yeah, that's I think right. It was oh, yeah, that's right. After because the election. Are, 
People are still voting, day. so it's still got to be going Please. on. That's right. You okay. have to wait. Okay, once the voting ends, apparently, t- okay, so that happens today. Uh, let's see, I guess after today, the uh, second civil war, right, is is happening, right? So Yeah, yeah. But, it, so, you know, but here's what's the most important thing in the Stauffer household today. Today, the last fun-sized snicker bar got eaten from the <laughs> Halloween candy trove. And Cody, Cody, who got that? <clears throat> no comment. <laughs> he who works from home. Nicely done. <laughs> Nicely done. I, I don't know who did, but I will help my daughters find the culprit. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, yeah, lots to talk about today on this. This is our first live streaming episode. This is yeah. crazy. I yeah, feel it, it, so honored to be with you. We don't do a very good job of watching the clock. So if you have any time constraints. <laughs> I am at uh, 12 o'clock. I am meeting a bunch of anti-fascists at my church, uh, meeting the Ewoks at my church because they are wanting to have a nice socially distanced small group of people about eight of them wanted to uh talk about how to interact with the houseless here in portland and they wanted a uh, space to do that on election day so that uh they had some kind of something positive to look forward to and productive on election day so uh i've gonna have to be there at about noon that's but pretty that, cool that gives us so, uh roughly an hour hour and a half so adam we'll tell us we'll tell, tell us i mean i know you and you and i you and i knew each other through facebook for a number of years and i can't remember what how it connected but you were i think in michigan um pastoring in michigan and you were part of the raven still are part of the the raven foundation, foundation. yeah yeah and um, I think that's how you and I connected. Yes. But Chicago. I don't really recall. Chicago. Fake news, Michigan. I was in Chicago. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> and then, um, and then I don't know, we just connected on Facebook and then you came and moved into the neighborhood. Yep. And then uh, finally met up with you about two years ago. Yeah. I think yeah. in Salem, we went to a coffee shop. Yep. Yep. And uh, it was, it was kind of, it was fun because I think, by that time, I, you know, we had known of each other for a number of years. It was kind of fun to go, oh, face to face. It's, you know, a real living person. And Craig is just as amazing online as he is in person. Wow. That's kind of scary. <laughs> I agree, though. Craig is uh... amazing. I am just like, I, I am so grateful for our friendship, Craig. And, uh, and, and, it, and it's been a fun one. That's mutual. It's it's it's. I miss going out to Oregon and having our uh, times at uh, McMinnons. Yep. Yep. So, me too. so, but one of the, one of the things that people do know about you, I think probably one of the most, your, your, your claim to fame and notoriety yes. is you're also known as the sign guy, the sign guy, the church sign guy. You're either famous or infamous, depending on what side of that sign people, you know, stand, I suppose. So, couple of things. Why don't you introduce yourself? What do you do? Why do you do it? And if you want to say something about signs and how the little history of that. 
Uh, I am Adam Erickson. I'm a pastor in a at Clackamas United Church of Christ. I'm also a writer at the Raven Foundation and um, been at the Raven Foundation for about 15 years now. And we talk about uh, Rene Girard and mimetic theory and how that influences and transforms our understanding of the Bible and the gospel and how it has helped me to have a much healthier view of religion and of myself and hopefully of others too. Uh, so Gerard uh, underlies a lot of my understanding of uh, the Bible and scripture. And I became the pastor at Clackamas United Church of Christ here in a suburb of Portland about three, three years ago. This, this month, actually this today, tomorrow is my three-year anniversary. <laughs> Well, happy anniversary almost. Yes. November 4th, I believe, is is the day. So November 4th. Uh, oh, and wait a minute. Oh, a year and a day after the last election. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so what else? Oh, this the sign. Uh I we had about 30 folks coming to the church when I got there, and I am convinced that the the main problem that progressive Christians have is that we are ashamed to call ourselves Christians uh, because the other guys are the loudest in the room. <laughs> yeah. And we've allowed them, we've ceded the, the name Christian and Christianity to them. And right. my, my whole, my faith was that if people knew what, we were about that they would come uh and if we just got our message out into the neighborhood and they knew what we were all about they would be interested in that so we had this old wooden sign that had been there since the 1990s and everybody drove by it because it said the same thing and i was like we got to shake this up a bit and get our message out so that's why we got the reader board sign and uh I, in order to get the message out, uh, you know, the gospel is kind, it's loving, but it's also subversive. Uh, and so I thought we got to have some subversive messages up there if we're going to live out the gospel. So let me ask a question about that period of time. So, yes. and, I, and I'm working from um, kind of general, overly generalized stereotypes of church people. Uh-huh. So you come to a mainline denominational church that's in a suburb and there's 30 people left. And those 30 people, then this is, this is the stereotype. Those 30 people are there because they're hanging on to either a nostalgia, a tradition, a vision of the past, and they're just, but they're not going to let go. And so they tend to be a little protective, a little lacking in imagination and kind of on life support. Mm. And then you come along and say, let's spend money on this ridiculous idea. <laughs> and I would, I would think a church would go, no, we, that's not what we need to do. Was, was there any pushback? There was not pushback during the time. Uh, and I don't know why, but huh. there was, after we got the sign, there were a few people who said, I thought that was ridiculous. I thought that was just a silly idea to spend this amount of money on getting a sign. Uh, now, for those who haven't seen the sign, it's not like it's 
an attractive sign? Well, I can show it to you. Uh, we made, after the first year, we made a calendar of the signs. I mean, God loves you more than you will ever know. Come on. What's like, right? So then let's see here. Uh, so then I would put up signs like this with uh, classic Adam Erickson misspellings. But <laughs> there's oh, including yes, including <laughs> and also missing the I in siblings. But this church <laughs> loves everyone, including our LGBTQ siblings. Um, and so these are just for me, these are just gospel messages. These are right. like for me, this is obvious stuff. Uh, and I think people are people know somewhere deep inside of themselves if they are attuned to the spirit that um, this is obvious and yet for some reason it's radical or people think it's radical, but the, the only reason that it's radical is because we tend to be quiet. We tend to, as Jesus says, don't hide your light in a bushel basket. Right. And, but we tend to not be loud and out there. And I'm convinced that we need to increase our volume because the loudest, loudest people in the room are not saying that our LGBTQ folks are included in right. this mission that we're doing. There's loudest people are saying they're excluded. So, so most church signs though, say <clears throat> the time of the service, the sermon title, perhaps uh, maybe a special meeting that week with you know, just more programmatic kind of information. Yeah. Or they'll put up really cliche slogans about, I don't know what, but I don't, I try to forget those, but yes, <laughs> I mean, these are not that at all. But yeah. then what, 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 what your signs to end up showing is not what's going on, but what's at the basis or the foundation of what's going on. Something a lot deeper. Well, one of the first signs that I put up was, uh, no woman should be called horse face. Right. And this is so basic, so morally obvious that it should not be an issue. Like it shouldn't be controversial at all. And just because we had a major politician who called a woman a horse face, <laughs> all of a sudden it's political. So there have been people, not in my church, but there have been people, like I dropped off my daughter at, uh, no, I went to go pick up my daughter at one of her friend's house and her friend's parents are a little more conservative than I am. <laughs> and they were like, why do your signs get shared so much? And I was like, I don't know. I just want to pick up my daughter. Can I just go home? <laughs> and he was like, it's because you're political, right? And I was like, I'm just going to take my daughter, man. I'm not going to get, I'm not here for this. I'm here for, to pick up my daughter. <laughs> so people have accused me of being political. But the gospel is political, right? Like, right. like any to say that no woman should be called horse face. And all of a sudden that is a political statement, or that is a statement that means that I am uh, somehow polarized on one side or the other just shows you how, how ridiculous the last right. three and a half years have been. So, so um, I want to unpack that idea a little bit about the gospel being political. I mean, we have such a hard time using the word political in a lot of our conversations because we automatically leap to partisan. Yes. I think, right. and yes. not just partisan. Um, sure. The gospel is partisan, but it's partisan on behalf of the oppressed, the poor, those who need liberation, you know, those who are outcast and excluded. 
it's not necessarily part in, par, partisan in the sense of Republican, Democrat, etc. And how do we help people clear that out so they go, yeah, the gospel is political. It does mean political change. Um, I don't know. I, I, I have, I don't know how to help people get there yeah. other than, other than to just continue to tell the gospel story that, um, it, while, while it's the gospel and the Bible have a preferential, uh, it's preferential towards the oppressed, mm-hmm. uh, that God loves everyone. And, um, that's what we're here for. That's what we're here to try to do. So how do you be partisan in a way that uh, doesn't demonize the other, uh, doesn't, that, that tries to keep space open for uh, those we would call our enemies um, right. to, to have, and how do, how do we have a repentance moment too? How do we, how do we move forward in a way that recognizes our own tendency to demonize our opponents and repent from that too. Um, you know, one my therapist tells me that we're all just doing the best we can with the tools that we have. <laughs> Some of us have tools that are more helpful than others. And how do we help people develop tools that are, how do I develop tools that are healthier than the ones that I already have? Right. For me, like the last three years has has been a struggle to not cave into the demonization aspect because like, I'm like of the split mind because there's so many people I know who just disagree with me. Yeah. And I know they are good people. I know they are. And yet the struggle is like, I know you're good people. I know at your heart, if you came across somebody who was down and out or whatever, I've seen them do it, you know, help people come to their aid to be there for them. No, no judgment. But when it gets elevated to like politics for whatever reason, um, it's like that almost vanishes. And it's almost like I've had to find a spot in my, you know, in my pastoral heart because that's where my heart always goes is to like, okay, what's the redeemable, what's the good in, in this person, what's there that's, and I see that. So how do I work through this clutter, this image that's of God that's being, you know, smirched or whatever. So that has been my biggest <laughs> struggle too, because yeah. to not cave to, to cynicism on the opposite side, you know, like, uh, even at the same, and, and, the, and the difficulty is like, when I know what they're doing is harming other people too, at the same yeah. time. Yeah. So uh, how do you, how, how do you manage yourself through that? So <clears throat> I have to disengage a little bit from yeah. um, the, like, I'm not, I'm not all about beating up on the news and the media and all that kind of stuff, but I do have to disengage from it quite a lot because it's just, that's the tenor of our conversation right now. And that's where they need to take it. And when I say they, that's almost unfair because in my opinion, the media is a reflection of us, you know? Mm-hmm. So I have to recognize also Hey, what part of me have has fed this <laughs> and and yes. how do I stop feeding that you know so it it almost comes down to a, a personal thing too at the same time but yeah like I don't know and you know just walking across I, so I have neighbors that I just dis- definitely disagree with but I love them like so mm-hmm. much they're wonderful people our kids play together and like just walking across the street when I get a chance the pandemic's made it hard of course but 
you know, like um, when something's happening in their life, just go over and like my wife and I've like sent them soup, you know, stuff like that, brought them soup and things like that. So, you know, just that one-to-one contact helps a lot. Yeah. Um, but it is still so difficult <laughs> when you see like yeah. nerd and you know stuff like that. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I think that that yeah, you throw in an interesting angle on that because I think sometimes it's easy to think of all the different uh, challenges going on uh, right now as somehow separate. You know, we've got we've gotten a heightened understanding or awareness of racial injustice. We have an economy that's limping along with people losing jobs. Uh, you know, we have this. Um, explosive you know uh, partisan political issue with elections and we have the the pandemic and it makes it so hard to connect with people on these really important issues at a common ground level when you can't go and be with people you can't cross the street and talk to your neighbor uh uh, you know the, the people with whom i have probably the greatest political disagreements are are some of the other people i know through track and field, you know, some of the other coaches or other parents, and I don't get to be with them. And it seems like it's easy to get really siloed, really pulled apart, and not have that that connective piece that helps us temper one another. It's like our whole identities are caught up in our political identity, and you forget that the person across the street has a family and a job hopefully um you know suffers the same way that i suffer uh and has parents that they're looking out for too just like me so yeah it's it's easy to wash over the things that we still have in common and that we might be able to find some kind of bond over um because it I mean, we're told every election is the most important election. <laughs> I was going to say that, like everyone is the most important. Yes, yes. And so I, this one is important. Um, I, it's just, but it's like, it, yeah, it's just hard not to, not to demonize the other side. And, yeah. you know, um, there are some in Girardian circles that I, that I go in that, uh, say that we're just doubling, we're just mirror images of one another. And so there's this like both sidism um, mm. that, that tends to creep in there. And, um, you know, each side thinks that the other is is evil. Each side thinks that the other is Darth Vader. And right, uh, right. each side thinks that it's the good guys, it's the Luke Skywalkers in there, right? But, um, <laughs> you know, the great thing about that Star Wars saga is, as Cody was saying, like Luke Skywalker believed in the goodness of his dad throughout the whole thing. Which really when, confuses the, the 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 larger dynamic of the story, the dark versus the light, you know? Uh, yeah. There's this underlying connection that yeah. doesn't want to be denied. Yeah, yeah. And I, I we're in this spot where families are being broken apart and it's hard to believe in the goodness of one's children or one's father or mother or whatever, right? <laughs> through, so does, through all of it. How does Rene Genard fit into that scenario family sits down at thanksgiving um and you know they they know that the other side is the other and they each see each other as darth vader but they see themselves each as luke skywalker Uh so how does that how does that theory play itself out in that kind of realistic scenario um well gerard says that 
there well there are there are a couple of things going on uh gerard will say things like um it's not really our differences that cause us the biggest problems it's our similarities which is really feels really counterintuitive doesn't it yeah but really if if we all have different goals then we're not going to come we're not going to come into the same path because we're in different going in different directions but it's when we have a similar goal that we're all reaching towards that's when we're going to come into conflict with one another uh we're going to become we're competing for space or competing for you're competing for the same for the same thing uh yeah you're competing for it it's often like uh starts off as an object so we might um you might refer to like mirror neurons uh and when we're at the dinner table uh at thanksgiving or wherever and i reach for my cup of water you instinctively reach for your cup of water too right uh you've seen this happen Uh, there's like a trigger that yawning yawning is another one Yawning is another great example. And the reason that we yawn when somebody else yawns is because it makes your mirror neurons just go, just, it just explode. They're just boom, 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 boom. And all of a sudden I'm yawning too. I'm also reaching for a cup of water. Uh, But what happens when there's only one cup of water at the table? Either we find a way to share it (laughs) or I'm going to say, no, that cup of water is mine. It's been mine from the beginning. And you're probably going to say the same thing because you want the cup of water too. Uh, And we might come to blows or we might say, Hey, look at Craig over there. Uh, He's trying to steal our water. And so let's unite over against Craig and kill him, sacrifice him. Oh, that went dark. Yeah. Right. (laughs) But all of a sudden you and I are now like, best friends because we've united against a common enemy right Right. Mm -hmm. and up until there's another cup of water conflict some kind of cup of water conflict and then we just do it over again right and so what gerard says is happening in our culture in this area in over the thanksgiving dinner table is really we as much as we want to think that we are different we have the same goal which is either power over and against someone or prestige, popularity. Uh, We often treat politics as if it's just a sporting event, as if it's the World Series and my team needs to win and defeat your team so that I can feel like I'm part of something successful that's bigger than myself. It's not about, not really about justice issues for many of us. It's about winning the game. And And so Gerard will say, we all just want to win the game. You, you see this even when we try to distinguish ourselves from others. So uh, one politician will imitate the other by the color of their tie that they wear. They'll wear the exact opposite tie, but they're wanting to imitate the distinction of each other. So I'm, ex- I'm nothing like him. That's the, that's, that's the idea that we want to bring, bring across. Both sides want to bring across. I'm nothing like the other guy. And the other guy says, I'm nothing like the other guy. I'm even wearing a different color tie. <laughs> right? That's how, that's how different we are. Now, there's, there is, you can take that to a ridiculous extreme. And I don't want to do both side-ism. I clearly, as you can okay. tell from my shirt and the shirt that Craig is wearing, I clearly... St- stand on one side of this. And one of the things that my 
Girardi and friends remind me of when they say, oh, it's just both sideism is that my hands are not clean in this, right? I'm, I'm picking a side right. and that might mean that my hands are just as dirty as the person who's on the other side who has picked a side too. So I'm, I'm not coming into this with clean hands. I'm, or I'm pilot who has made this decision to kill off this guy. And yet he washes off his hands and says, uh, I had nothing to do with this. Well, yeah, you did. You're washing your hands and trying to claim innocence. And unless we are living in the woods somewhere or a monastery, I'm not going to claim innocence. I'm not going to claim that I'm above the fray. Would you say that we can't, it would be irresponsible to claim innocence when we are not innocent? So for instance, we are in this um, dialectic. We're, We're in this push and pull. Yeah. And if we just say, no, I'm not. I'm not playing that game, but, but we really continue because of those who we ally with or those who we support, but we're just not vocal about it. We're not active about it. We're just kind of quietly supporting one side or the other. um, That's still playing the game, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what, one of the things that Gerard has taught me is that uh, Gerard will say that every human system is based on this sacrificial mechanism of that I just described of the water <laughs> right in front of us, right? It's all based on making an enemy, on scapegoating, uh, and forming peace by uniting against a common enemy. So, so when I mentioned earlier that we're all looking for either power or prestige, the thing that we're probably all looking for maybe <laughs> uh, is a sense of peace. How do we achieve peace? Well, we usually think it's by defeating our enemies, right? That's the trap that we get into. Right. And that's the trap that Jesus is trying to free us from. I think that's the trap that the Hebrew prophets are trying to free us from. Uh, when Hosea says God desires mercy, not sacrifice. I think that's a movement towards unconditional love that is God. Uh, and seeing that the sacrifice is purely human, the violent sacrifice is right, purely human, right, right, um, and that's something that we need to take responsibility for. So, um, I go to I go to protests in Portland frequently, um, and I don't know if that's the best thing to do with my time. I don't know if the protests. Uh, it, it, Gerard will say that the thing that you fight against the most, when you fight against it, it's like you're giving it oxygen and mm. it just grows bigger and bigger. So I don't know right. if what I'm doing yeah. is the right thing or not. Right. But I'm constantly questioning and I'm not going to say that my hands are clean, uh, oh, as nonviolent so- as I'm trying to be. Right. Uh, there so are no. There are times when there you? are no good answers and you just have to do the best you can and rely on God's grace. This is the Bonhoeffer moment. How do you see Jesus doing that? So, so one, one image that comes to mind, thinking of protests, large, large gatherings. Uh, so as Jesus is entering the, the city um, and everybody's laying down the, the blankets and the cloaks and the palms and shouting. Um, I mean, I remember I was... Um, I guess it was, oh yeah, we're so preaching through Matthew in the lectionary this year. And I think maybe it was that passage of coming into the city. I can't remember when I used this. 
but it made sense to look at the images of many of the protests going on around the country, you know, whether it's, you know, something about a knee on the neck yeah. or, you know, people uh, pleading for uh, racial justice. To me, that seems the same as the people when Jesus came in and saying, uh, Hosanna, mm -hmm. you know, they're not saying, uh, oh, hey, you know, just some general generic save us. It's more like specifically we're under the knee of these Romans. They are abusing, killing, taking away our property, destroying our lives. And they're looking to Jesus with that kind of expectation. So Jesus is there in the midst of that protest. But at the same time, he's not egging it on. Even, um, you know, the Pharisees come up, though, and say, hey, tell them to be quiet. It's almost like the Pharisees want to protect the protesters also. Uh, we don't need this stirred up. You know, let's keep things calm. And the other thing that get, I think it's Marcus Borg picks it up is that on the opposite side of the city. No, not Borg. Um, Crossing Borg. Yeah. Crossing. Yeah. On the opposite side of the city, the, the, the Roman authorities were coming in for a kind of a magisterial parade and all the, the, you know, fancy acclaim that goes along with that. So you have these, you have these two, two protests or, or one, one a forced gathering to celebrate Rome. Yep. The other one to celebrate the opposing king or ki uh, empire, the kingdom of God. I mean, you, and you got Jesus in there, not fully catalyzing the protest, but in the midst of it too. I mean, to me, it's a complex scenario, but it makes me think about how do you present yourself, you know, Adam, how do you, how do you play that role when you're at a protest in Portland? Um, are you there on a side? Are you there witnessing? Uh, I, I, I'm, my mask that I wear when I go to protests are, uh, says he couldn't breathe. <laughs> so yeah. I'm clearly on a side. Um, yeah. uh, I, you know, Jesus, Jesus says to the, to the Pharisees, I think he says, um, the, the rock, if you stop the crowd from yelling, the rocks will cry out. Right. It's, if all it's as, it's as if the whole universe all of nature is, as Paul says later, groaning, groaning. right? Groaning for justice. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, uh, it, it's also like when, when the early Christians called Jesus the Messiah, this is political throwdown language. Right. There's one Messiah. Yeah. There's one king. There's one anointed person in Israel during this time. And that's Herod. Uh, and, um, King Herod dies when Jesus is, is younger. So there are his sons take over. So right. there are multiple like King ish type figures, right? Lots of Herods. There's lots of Herods. And, yes. uh, but Jesus is the one who they say, Hey, you want to know who the real King is? It's the guy who looks, it's, it's Jesus. Look to Jesus. You want to know who who's the real realm of God or the kingdom of God who's running the show? Don't look to Caesar. Don't look to the Herods. Look to Jesus. And he comes in with this, this non-violent movement. And that's, I think, where maybe he's trying to move the crowd in a different direction. The crowd that, that says, 
here, Hosanna, come and save us in the same way that your namesake, Joshua, which means savior, saved the people in the past. Right. Jesus, Yeshua, come and save us. And Jesus isn't going to play the game of killing the bad guys. He's going to play the game of going to the temple and saying this whole system needs to be abolished. He's going to go to the temple and say, this has become unjust. Uh, he's going to quote the prophets. So please don't hear me saying that this is anti-Jewish and the crowd right. or the bad guys, yeah. the, the Jewish <laughs> bad guys, or the Pharisees or the Jewish bad guys. Jesus is rooted firmly within his Jewish tradition. When the prophet Jeremiah says, hey, you guys are messing up this whole temple thing because it's supposed to be a house of prayer for all people and you've made it into a den of thieves. So Jesus is quoting Jeremiah and Isaiah and bringing them together and saying, this is what our religious tradition is all about. And there were plenty of Pharisees uh, during the first century who looked a lot like Jesus. Right. After the fall of the temple, there were plenty of Jews who said, just like the early Christian community, violence isn't going to work for us. Right. We know violence isn't going to work for us. So we need to move forward in nonviolent ways. So... Um, there's a, that's, it's a great rich tradition. Jesus does not get killed because he says, Hey guys, let's just love one another and love our enemies. Right. Like, nobody's going to kill him for that. Yeah, right. He gets killed because he goes into the heart of the system and says, this is messed up and it needs to be abolished and transformed. Yeah. Uh, Craig, you talked about the, the Pharisees saying, you know, coming and being like, Hey, keep them quiet. And, and you made it sound like almost like, and they, maybe they were protecting him a little bit, but the first thought that came to my mind was essentially like <clears throat> the Pharisee is essentially putting any outcome, uh, potentially violent outcome at the feet of these people. And how like messed up is that? Like if somebody reacts violently, like, you know, Rome, uh, that's on them, right? It's not on the, yes. the citizens who are just simply gathering there being yes. joyous yes. and crying I out. Mean, I, I, and I, I hear this, I, I can hear this, uh, that Pharisee's comment um, in, in different ways these days, you know, yeah. if a, if it seems if a black man is being, um, detained by the police and he's walking to his car and they say, stop. And he doesn't stop. And then he gets shot in the back seven times. The Pharisees would say, well, you know, if he just would have stopped, you know, but then again, he also had this record and finds all these excuses to legitimate the, the aggressive and violent, you know, behavior of, of Rome. Um, I mean, I hear church people say it. I hear um, kind people say it. I hear, you know, but it's like, it's just it, that pharisaical comment is, you know, if only you would have done it this other way, it would have been a lot more, you know. So yep. you did it to yourself. It's your fault. And then, and then Jesus's response, just like Adam mentioned, of you know, hey, they could they could crush these these people, but the creation yeah. is going to cry out, and you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and it is, it and is. <laughs> so, Craig, the the question I think is, how do we gently, somewhat slowly, help? people to see the fallacy in that <clears throat> argument i don't know yeah 
Well, I think so. I mean, it, it it's for me, it's easy to do from a position of civics and uh, just basic American representative democracy, the way we do things. Yeah. You know, that there are those who are there to enforce the law. There's a whole other entity that is there to uh, do the do the work of justice and, you know, just determine outcomes and consequences. But we never allow the the, re the arresting officer to also be the judge and jury and executioner. That's just not part of our civics. Yeah. But then but then that doesn't seem to work because it's too long, too slow, too yep. moderate. And right. it seems like um, there's there's a whole host of issues, I think, along with that. But it's it's so much easier to blame the person who is perceived of having done something wrong and any negative consequences all on them. Well, yeah. And it's getting back to today and the events of today. It's easy for me to say that Trump is the problem with everything in the United States. And no matter what happens today, tomorrow, we have to fight and struggle for a better United States, a more just United right. States where racism, no matter who wins the election, uh, where we have to continue to come to account with our racist past and our racist present. So it's easy to, that's the scapegoating of Donald Trump, right? right. If we just get rid of this guy, then everything is going to be great. No, it's not. No. <laughs> it's a, you know, going back to the, 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 you know, the, the, the two sides that are mirror images of each other. Yeah. I mean, I remember, I remember this when I first started studying feminist theology, like before you guys were probably born. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> probably. But, but there was this dilemma about systemic practices. And so, you know, simply reversing the gender or changing the gender of the person who's in charge doesn't change the system. So, you know, mm -hmm. women could then become, you know, you know, pastors, bishops, you know, uh, mayors, presidents, whatever. But if you don't change the, the system, it really doesn't change the way things are done. You know, a more, and, and I think, you know, as I was reading, the more, you know, back then was the more systemic, the more feminist, actual feminist approach is systemic. It's yeah. not changing figureheads. Right. Yeah. And so, and I think that works with any structural change. The, the whole desire to let's get back to normal is 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 um is a horrible idea because normality is what gave us this i mean yeah, the status quo got us here <laughs> yeah and, and so it's like how do we analyze the elements of that status quo for all their elements of brokenness i mean it's almost and, like you gotta start from the beginning again yes and how can I, as a white, cisgender, heterosexual, middle, upper middle class male who's doing just fine, right. not want to go back to the status quo, right? I mean, there's yeah. something about the status quo that's just like, Adam, this is good for you. My son yesterday was like, would you rather the Portland Trailblazers win four years in a row the championship or Trump win? Those are your two options. <laughs> In this oh. scenario, what would you pick, Dad? <laughs> and That's you, good because we I, haven't talked about sports yet. 
And I was like, oh, dude, I Joe Biden, I just vote for Joe Biden. I would I would sacrifice the Portland Trailblazers winning championship the next four years for that. And he was like kind of surprised he's he's in eighth grade. Right. So he doesn't get it. He doesn't like he doesn't see the systemic racism and how people like him and me and my parents and grandparents have benefited from this. Right. Uh, And his black friends haven't. Right. Uh, And so hopefully over time, he will begin to see that our president is more important than the Portland Trailblazers winning the championship four years in a row. Now, now, you know, uh, a butterfly's wings in Japan can create a tornado in Kansas. Right. Right. Yes. So perhaps four years of the Trailblazers could change everything. That's true. No, (laughs) that could that could be the, the thing. Can I, I can, okay, so here's, so we've been talking about, and, and Adam, you've admitted like you're no, no clean hands on, on your side. And for me, like the last four years, this is what I have, one of my, one of my other struggles, in addition to being loving to people who disagree with me. Um, the other thing has been like, I have this lofty ideal of the kingdom of God and how it transcends the polarity and puts the lie to all of the systems from yes. Trump to Joe Biden yes. and and um, like so how do we not cave to the uh, like okay we got to find you know because I my first thought when you said just vote Joe Biden it was like but is that where is that the solution I don't know do you know do you see what I'm saying like yes uh, so how do you not fall to that or if you like you've said okay nope I've, I've chosen a side is it a worthy struggle to try to find a transcendent? Yes. Whatever. <laughs> yes. That is a worthy struggle. Okay. Yes. <laughs> it is the struggle. It is. I, I just love a father son story. So it's, I mean, it's the struggle that Luke Skywalker has right with his dad. Yeah. Right. Everybody right. is telling, this is the other thing about mimetic theory is that your culture, people in your social life are going to give you certain messages and you have to discern if those messages are positive, true, good about our enemies. And Luke Skywalker refuses to believe what his mentors tell him about his own father. Mm-hmm. How, does he, how does he not get sucked into seeing the biggest symbol of evil in his culture as not thoroughly evil right this has some kind of faith and he's never met his father before so he doesn't have a history with them right mm. so excuse so, me for nerding out on star wars so That's with that good. star wars metaphor That's good i mean e- even even <laughs> i almost made a, a freudian slip of sorts i was going to say instead of darth vader i was going to say instead of trump yeah, yeah. i'm going to stop myself yeah um but anyway the in the star wars universe darth vader is also though wounded yep um he's a broken person who is just pulled by the machinations of somebody else yep Yep. he's a tool yep um can we have and, and, and 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 that's part of luke's love for his father uh, mm. that his father is not the ultimate originator of all evil and darkness. Right. Can and, I do that for Donald yeah. Trump? And, I'm, and and can I look at him and realize, I, I, I've heard so many people say, 
somebody must have mistreated him horribly as a child. You know, there's a very broken and sad person there who's lonely, isolated, and is wounded. Can I hold somebody like that in love and compassion, yet at the same time, make sure to hold them accountable for injustice? I think that's the key. So my favorite scene in Star Wars is in The Empire Strikes Back when Luke is in Dagobah with Yoda and Luke feels the pull into that bog thing, right? Oh, and Darth Vader comes towards him and they get in this lightsaber fight and Luke ends up chopping off the head of Darth Vader and his helmet ends up falling on the ground and rolling forward and then the face of the helmet explodes and who is on the inside of the helmet but Luke Skywalker himself. Right. So how does how do, Luke is able to identify with the symbol of evil in his life, the thing that he fears the most. He's able to see there's a little bit of me even in Darth Vader. Maybe there's a little bit of Darth Vader even in me, right? So how can we come to the point where just as you are saying, Craig, where we end up seeing, oh my goodness, there's a, there's a, I'm choking over the words. There's a little bit of Donald Trump inside of me, and maybe there's a little bit of me inside of Donald Trump too. And Joe Biden is known as being the great empathy candidate, right? Well, empathy is about seeing yourself in the other. So how can we see ourselves in Donald Trump? Mm. That's honestly in the last, like we got four years now, Um, that's where I literally have been my best is when I've recognized, you know what, man, like if I were president, like I, you know, policy decisions might not be the same, but how we handle things might be very close to the same because like, I can just picture myself being in president being like, uh, you know, like I just want to go golf. Yeah. (laughs) I I just want to go golf. And also Cody, like I don't handle criticism very well. Exactly. Same. Same. Right. And so when somebody comes to Donald Trump and says, hey, uh, I, I think that you're not handling this very well. And somebody in his cabinet, I mean, the whole thing was Donald Trump will uh, surround himself with the best people. Right. And then he surrounds himself with people that uh, those folks agree with and think are really good people. But they end up getting fired because they criticize Donald Trump. And we're all like, oh, see, Donald Trump can't take criticism. I have a hard time with criticism. That's too. Right. <laughs> I might be firing people, too. If I right. Yeah. It's not comfortable. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Yeah. I need my I would, safe yeah. space. And Donald one of, one of the, the uh, scenes in uh, Bob Woodward's book, uh, Fear. Yeah was it was a description of some security meeting in the Oval Office after the gassing in Syria. And that was, was that maybe a year, year and a half into his presidency? It was, it was in a, you know, pretty soon. And they brought in pictures and it showed pictures of this, uh, I don't remember what town or city it was in, in, in Syria, but it was, you know, the corpses of men and women and children and when uh, Trump saw the pictures of children who had died, you know, in, in this, you know, terrible suffering way, he blew up in anger and, and said, don't you ever show me anything like that again. And my first thought was, what a horrible man who doesn't want to face the truth of this, you know, this, di- this difficult world that he's got to participate in. I thought, 
what a what incredible pain did he experience that made it so you know connecting somebody with with connecting with the suffering others and and, the, and having that that pull of empathy that empathy must have been so painful that the choice is to just don't empathize do not emotionally connect with others stay inside that protective shell mm. and my you know I, that that scene probably more than any other in that book stuck with me and made me think this is a very sad and diff, you know um, distraught person who has so many resources to cover over that and protect himself uh, mm. i wouldn't say he has lots of money he has lots of debts but he has but he has enough things to shield himself to create his own little world uh, one of my favorite authors, David Dark, he talked about, I, I interviewed him a couple of weeks ago, but he's mentioned um, he is not a supporter in the traditional sense of Donald Trump. Isn't He's not going to vote for him. He doesn't want him in office. But he says, in a lot of ways, I think I might be actually more of a supporter of Donald Trump than his political supporters because mm. I want him to um, kind of be done with this because it's hurting him. Like he he's not, he doesn't really like being here and doing this. I mean, you can kind of have that sense, you know, like he could be doing something else. He could be getting help somewhere, you know? And uh, so in that way, he was like, I think in, in a lot of ways, I might be w way more of a supporter. They may, they're a supporter of an idea of what Donald Trump is, you know, in their mind. But I feel like, I might be more of a supporter of the of the real Donald Trump. I want him to get the help he needs. Yeah. <laughs> you know, kind so of extrapolate that, build that out. So forty two percent of the population believe he's doing a good job. Are there is there forty two percent of the population that needs to be supported as well? <laughs> yeah, I think there's a hundred percent of the population that's that's right. supported. Yeah. <laughs> yep, that's right. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, part of universal healthcare should be uh, universal therapy. Find yourself a good therapist. I tell that every person Definitely. in my like in my congregation, I say in all my congregations, I tell them every one of you needs to be a, have a therapist. And that's not because I think there's something wrong with you. I think there's something wrong with all of us. So. Yes. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Yeah. So so what are you doing to cope today uh, with the election? Are you are you either one of you the kind of people that are going to like glue yourself to news sources and find out how the, the, the horse race is going? I'm talking oh. to two guys on uh, on uh, Facebook. Um, I'm on Zoom, just kidding. It's, that's good therapy right there. Talking with you guys is awesome. Um, I am going to be doing this thing with the uh, Ewoks at noon. Yeah. Uh, and then I, uh, I'm going to change the... Uh, sign at the church to say free prayers free ele election day prayers from two to five in our parking lot so i'm gonna be out there praying with people um having them express their anxieties about the election about life in general i've i've noticed that i did this craig you know i I did this for uh, Ash, our Ash Wednesday service, our quarantine right. Ash Wednesday service. And uh, people, I think from different political spectrums, just are feeling so much anxiety right now. And that's probably one of the things that maybe would be good to focus on is um, 
especially today and tomorrow. I keep saying no matter what happens today, tomorrow we get back to work. Um, but uh, today, maybe it's a good time just to sit with people in their anxiety and let them know that they're not alone. No matter what side of the polit- political spectrum you're on. Right. We're all in right. this anxious time together, uh, at least on today. So, yeah. Mm, that's good. Prayer together. I like that. Yeah. <clears throat> There's, uh, I found as a pastor, like nothing quite lowers any divisions or walls between us than when we sit down to pray with each other. And to hear a person who I know I disagree with still pray for me like in good ways, in honest ways, you know, cause sometimes yeah. there's those prayers are like, Oh Lord, you know, change, change his mind, you know, whatever. But, <laughs> help, yeah. him, help, help him to not say anything anymore. <laughs> right. Help yep. him lose more letters for his signboard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I do have one question about the signboards. Cause I was thinking um, like in today's day and age, I recognize that's like just how we do things are like the quick pithy message, but you know, the whole theory about the medium becoming the message kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Do you, uh, how do you put, I hate to say this, but like more substance behind the message on the sign? Like, do you connect with people one-to-one? Uh, you mentioned when you're, oh, yeah. your, that's a bad time, but, yeah. but how about like productive conversations that have sprung up out of that? that yeah. Sign? Tell some of those stories, Adam. Cause when, when Carla and I were with you doing a sign, uh, a young woman drove by and engaged in conversation. And if yeah. I'm not mistaken, she came by and did signs with you later. Oh, cool. Oh, yes. Lara. Was there, was, what was her name? Lara. Lara. Yeah. Lara. So uh, frequently when uh, I am out there doing the sign, people will be walking by or they'll drive by and um, honk their horns and sometimes I'll get the middle finger every once in a while. So, um, but it does, uh, provide an opportunity for engagement and conversations with people. And, um, you know, I like Laura stopped by and she said, she's, she's a, she's a black woman. And she says, uh, thank you. We need this message. And then the next week we were having lunch together talking about her life and where she grew up and how racism has, has affected her and continues to affect her and um, her fears for her children, all of these things. So it, it brings up, I, I, it brings up really great opportunities. And I, I had faith that the sign would bring up these kinds of conversations and opportunities in our community but I had no clue how much it would create a conversation on Facebook mm. um, and on Instagram. And when I put up one sign, uh, the abortion debate kept getting around uh, heartbeats. These, these fetuses and have, have heartbeats and uh I thought, well, our transgender siblings have heartbeats too. So I put that up on the sign and oh my goodness, our transgender siblings just were like messaging me saying, thank you. Uh, We hardly ever hear this from a church. Um, And this message is what gives us hope. Um, And so it's weird me talking about this, but uh, 
it, um, those are the opportunities, I think, to dive deeper in the message. And I got to tell you, I've been writing articles for 15 years that are really lengthy and nobody cares. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I you know? do. I love the Raven Foundation. Just so yeah. Know. I mean, we, we, we have a good following and I shouldn't say nobody cares. People, people <laughs> cares, right? But th those lengthy articles that are like a page and a half to three pages don't get shared nearly as much as four lines on a sign. Right. Um, and so I think the pithy is, if you like that, Jesus just said, love God and love your neighbor. I mean, <laughs> and that that's revolutionary, right? Those are the two yeah. commandments. And if you are using commandments in a way that don't lead you to love God and love your neighbor in the way that Jesus loved his neighbor, then you're doing religion wrong. Mm. Right. And so these are pithy statements that I think go deep. I don't yes. know. Yeah, what, one of the things I like about the sign is also it's an archaic form of Twitter. Yeah, I like that. I mean, you, you, you're like limited that. to your, your number of letters and spaces you can use. Yeah. And it's and it takes time to post a comment, you know. Yeah. Uh, yep. So it's a little bit more thought through. Uh, um, it's, it's the it's, uh, so that's how we used to do Twitter back before right. Twitter. Old, yeah. old Twitter. <laughs> that's awesome. That's good. Yeah. And you have to like Twitter needs to have that function on occasion where you're like, wait a minute, my uh, my L is broken. I can't use L anymore, so I'm going to have to use two. Yeah. <laughs> Twitter should only give you a certain number of letters you can use. Yeah, you gotta get so creative. It, what are we gonna do with all these times. Q's and Z's? Yes. <laughs> yes. That's awesome. Well, Cody, yeah. I loved your shout out to David Dark because uh, it doesn't get much better than David Dark. Yeah. I've, I've got his book, uh, The Possibility of yes. America. Did you talk yep. with him about this book? That's exactly. Yep. So How the good. gospel can mend our God-blessed, God-forsaken land. Love, love. Yeah. So, what 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 books do you what what book have you written, Adam? I have not written any books. <laughs> uh, I, I thought we could probably put them in a, that. Way to put them on the spot, Craig. <laughs> you you need to. You what need have to you accomplished, a, Adam? Yeah, I know, you've right? Written, you've written a book. It only has twelve pages. And you came oh, out calendar? with a second edition that has 12 oh. more pages. Yes, yes. This is there you go. calendar. Yes. It's, so it's just, a, just a little advertisement. Uh, you can go to the uh, Clackamas UCC website and you can buy the calendars. You can buy T-shirts, mugs, uh, some of those kinds of things. Here's the, here's the other T-shirt, another T-shirt we have. A riot is the language of the unheard, MLK, right there. There it yeah. is. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Okay. So. So. Very good. Huh. Okay. Awesome. Uh, where are we Thanks, at? Are, where are we at time-wise? Oh, are we at our five questions, Craig? Oh, oh five yeah, questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do five Go questions. Go to the five questions. Okay. Yeah. All right. Five questions. Are. These are somewhat lightning round-esque. Like. I was not prepared for these, so I'm super, That's super right. nervous. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, but yes, these are, these are live. Like make or break. David it's Dark right, wasn't live. He could he could pause and you could edit him out. I'm you can't do that with me. I'm so that's nervous. right. Well, I'll tell you what okay. though, we you know we we've got some people keeping score. We'll see what happens here. Oh, that's right. Okay. This is it. These are the we've saved the hardballs for now. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Question number one, Adam. What are you drinking? 
What's your go-to drink? What? What if? I, it's it's ten fifteen. I've got the uh, the gospel is anti-fascist mug, and I'm drinking some coffee right now. Ooh, what's I will your... not tell you if it's spiked or not. It's not. Ah, it's only, what's your uh, roast or blend 15. or what do you what do you go with? Uh, I go I go with a Starbucks blend. Uh, okay, cool. But, uh, veranda or I don't remember what it is, but. <laughs> I well, know French. It's so, French. I like the French coffee. We oui, we. Oui. So there you go. When, when you're done with that brew, Adam, this is really just for you because it's not a wide distribution area. You need to go get some coffee. Steel Bridge Coffee, I think it is. Is it Steel Bridge? Down in Salem. So. Okay, I will do that. I Look yes, I I am I'm in, I'm embarrassed that I'm drinking Starbucks coffee while I'm living in Portland. The, the coffee. <laughs> yeah, this, it's the hard to find now? good coffee. Edit this, this out. Edit rest. this out of the recording, please. <laughs> That's hilarious. All yeah, right, we don't edit. Just so you know. And that no, works. Yeah. <laughs> All good. It's too much. You'll work. never be on. You'll never be on our podcast again. I'm sure. <laughs> good. <laughs> oh, but the questions get harder. All right, Adam. Yes. What? are you reading? So it can be a book that you're currently in, which you showed us, David Dark, Possibility America, or like, hey, this is like, everyone should read this book, or maybe a blog or some essayist that you also, you always look for, anything like that. I, the, the, <laughs> the coolest thing that I have read is an article online. I didn't get the um, title. But I, it's 19 pages. You can Google article on police brutality on, I think it was on Medium. It's a 19-page essay written by a former police officer uh, oh, wow. who talks about the training that police get. This gets back to the systems and principalities oh. that we were talking mm -hmm. about earlier mm -hmm. and how the training is based on a manual by Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman. And Grossman's whole point in these police training manuals is how to see uh, the citizens as adversaries. Yes. And, uh, go ahead. Well, sorry, I was gonna tell you, uh, Malcolm Gladwell wrote a book called uh, Talking with Strangers. And it's essentially two or three chapters are dedicated to that manual and that discussion because he builds it around the interaction between Sandra Bland and the officer. Uh, and that's how like, okay, how did that happen? How did we get there? Wow. Yep. Yep. So I have mentioned a couple of times how Jesus goes and abolishes the temple. Yeah. <laughs> and um, he says uh, it's going to resurrect into something completely different that you were never expecting. And I am getting myself more acquainted with reasons to abolish our modern police system and part of that is you know we're always like oh let's just redeem it let's just do better training and stuff but um you know the part of what the article says is also like if you start uh the if the good cops start telling on the bad cops uh they get marginalized they get fired so there's this great fear uh, for like good apples to call out the bad apples and so you're always going to have the bad apples. so that argument doesn't really work so how do you transform that system i don't know maybe mm. maybe we need to abolish it and find different ways <laughs> he also says that 90 percent of the calls that police get there is no need for a gun mm. right 
90%. And it's often uh, issues of domestic uh, fights or domestic conflicts that uh, have been resolved or areas where a gun is just going to escalate the situation. And as, as many have been saying, uh, it would be much better to have therapists or social workers heading into these situations than police officers who are not trained to be socialist or uh, sorry, not socialists uh, who are not trained to be social service providers, social workers. <laughs> social workers. Yeah. Mm. So I'm reading that. If you want to read it, uh, Google medium and article on police brutality. It's like, it's fantastic. Cool. Okay. What are you watching so this can be what are you binging on netflix hulu etc or what is a youtube channel you always want to go to and watch or uh, i went i uh the last thing i watched seriously was the episode one of season two of the mandalorian sweet excellent i haven't gotten there yet big giant dragon just was wild spoiler alert craig oh I'm not going to tell you what happened with the dragon and okay, good, good, good. How it ate baby Yoda. Ah, oh, the series over. No. It did not. I, I, it didn't. I, I've spoiled it too much. It did not eat baby Yoda. Okay, well that's good. To know. That's awesome. good because because last week I gave big spoilers on Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso. I, 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 I let too much out of the bag on that one. <laughs> I have many friends of mine are recommending Ted Lasso to me. I got to get on it. Can I? I have, watch I have not heard of Ted Lasso. I'll have to check it out. It's a good one. I, apparently, it's a good one. It's a good <laughs> one. What's Ted Lasso? All right. Like? It's on Apple, Apple, Apple TV. Okay. Only on Apple TV. Okay. Yeah. Which you can get Which a is week free, free for right? one week when you oh, sign up. Week. So sign up and and binge Ted Lasso. Ten episodes, right? Yeah, right. ten episodes, I believe. <laughs> okay um and what are you listening to so it can be like new album of your favorite band that you're just i've been listening on repeat or an old band or it could be a podcast that you like like i don't know all that's holy podcast or it could be uh you know anything anything you're listening to a book on tape or i mean mm -hmm. audio tape listen to me i <laughs> tape <laughs> i i listen to let's see uh the Behind the Bastards podcast. Mm, it's a good yep. one. I don't know if yep. it goes through the history of bastard-like people and <laughs> what's going on. Uh, I, I, all, I, every week I listen to a Pulpit Fiction podcast and yes. uh, Sermon Brainwave. Uh, yep, I'll nice. be listening to that. Um, no, usually I listen to that on Tuesdays because our Bible study is on Tuesday. Pod Save America. Yep, Pod Save America. Uh, that one. Um, yeah, so... My cousin, uh, who lives up in Washington, just started a, uh, his name is Justin Erickson. He's a former lawyer and now teaches English at a community college up there. Uh, and his uh, is called Tep Talk. And his first episode was all about uh, our indigenous siblings. And so it's got this uh, community college flavor to it that is all about uh social justice issues oh, and cool. um i found his first podcast he does it with uh some bipoc uh colleagues of his uh to be really great so i'm listening to that too so cool yeah. awesome tep talks yes t-e-p i think it's okay. i think it stands for like uh his 
community college or oh, okay. a department in his community college or something. Okay. I'm not, I'm not gotcha. aware of, of that, but shout out to my cousin, Justin, who's uh, an awesome guy too. So very good. He's about to get that, all that's holy bump. Yes. <laughs> Awesome. So he might, so he will gain two new listeners. Okay, yeah, at least. At least. <laughs> <laughs> and the final question of our series of five, Adam, if Craig and I show up, knock on your door, uh, post-pandemic, of course, <laughs> what, are, where are you going to take us to eat? What's the, what's the neighborhood joint you're going to take oh, us to? Or Gracious. The neighborhood joint that I'm going to take you to. Or you can make us something too. You can invite us in and make us something too. I <laughs> You would you would not want the Erickson uh cuff of the Erickson joint. Um that would not be good. You'd never come back to my house. Uh they've got by the way, they I I, I would bet it at, at Adam's place they've got some good Tillamook uh products. Oh, there you go. My wife does work for Tillamook, so we will have plenty of cheese. Ooh. Cheese and yogurt, some ice cream. Cheese, yogurt, ice cream, and uh how about some uh Portland beers? Can we do that? We can yeah. do that. Okay, let's do that. I like that idea. Perfect. And that is it. That's the series of five. You survived. That's the five. Okay, we're going to wait for the scores to come in. (laughs) (laughs) Carla was a little upset. You gave away some spoilers. uh, Oh, Carla, I'm so sorry. Yoda gets eaten by the dragon. Fake news, <laughs> fake news. Okay. Yeah, but it's it's what he does while he's inside the dragon. That's awesome. Yes, it is what he does inside the dragon. That is. Yeah, amazing. it's amazing. You got to watch just for that. that I mean, he crazy. writes this prayer about running away, and you know he should have gone to Nineveh. Wait, that's the wrong one. <laughs> so. <laughs> awesome. Oh, I love you guys. Thank you for having me. This it's is, good to see uh, you, Adam. Been a great joy, and uh, no place I'd rather be been talking with you guys about these things on election day so thank you so much for having me happy happy election day or blessed election day or condolences i don't know what to say happy civil war eve (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh we laugh now but it's good (laughs) we laugh now Oh my goodness. Awesome. Well, also, I want to say thank you to everyone who's been joining in on the stream too. We got a few comments and things, and I've seen people popping in and out as there. I think some people at work were sneaking some watches. So oh, nice. cool. I'm glad you were watching because I was losing track often. So. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, very nice. Very nice. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for being on our first ever live um, Facebook live podcast. Episode. Awesome. Thank you. It's good times. So, um, yeah, thanks so and much. And as we put this together, we'll try to put some links together for the church, for your Facebook page, uh, Instagram, get some people going to the uh, the the like the the marketplace or whatever you call it, the the merchandise site on Ooh, the That's on right. Church now you're website. gonna get the Alpha Holy Bump too. Yes. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's gonna. I don't know. Maybe does your sign light up at night? Yeah. Okay, so I was gonna say maybe you might get such a bump that we could invest. You could invest some lights. Got it. (laughs) All right, all right, friends. Thanks so much. Thanks. Love you guys. All right. Take care. Bye bye. Take care. Bye bye. (laughs) Okay, so I think you can. One of the things we've tried to do in the past is refrain from editing. 
And at this time of year, my office is on the back porch, so frequently you might be able to hear finches, sparrows, doves, as well as cars on lawnmowers. All the talking, interviews, and conversations are rough cut, mainly because we never wanted to take the time to get overly precise and picky. Rather, we have great ideas, and we just simply want to present them. Start following, commenting, and sending us ideas on the All That's Holy Blue Collar Podcast Facebook page. Also, you can search for the All That's Holy Blue Collar Podcast by going to themissionplace.org. Go to the Media tab, and you can find all of the episodes of the All That's Holy Blue Collar Podcast. As we're closing out, I want to give a big shout-out to At the Speed of Darkness for the music intro and outro. You can follow At the Speed of Darkness and support his music at Bandcamp. Bandcamp.